Hey everyone, how are you guys doing out there? I'm happy to to have our guest on tonight. Uh, this is Police Off the Cuff After Hours. I'm your host, Mark DeMeo. And my guest tonight is a fan favorite of the show. He's been on the show several times. Um, police Off the Cuff loves him to death. He was a great police officer. He's a retired lieutenant with the NYPD. He was in the Street, uh, street Crime Unit, Legendary Street Crime Unit. He also has a book that he authored called Harlem Raiders. And he's here once again to join us, Peter J. Pranzo. How are you, my friend? How are you, Mark? Uh, thanks for having me on. It's an honor and a privilege as usual. It's been many times, and uh, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. And hello to all our POTC uh, chat friends. And I had the pleasure of seeing your beautiful wife. Hello. Do I say it right? I say Raquel. How do you say it? It's Italian. It's Raquel and American Rochella. Okay. All right. So I'm I like the Italian version. Yeah, you go, Raquel. There you go. So um, how you guys hold it up over there? Where, wherever you are. You're on the island. Yeah, out on the island, North Shore, on the water out here. And it's good. Everything is good. You know, uh, Mark, we're just as careful as we could be with the COVID and all that nonsense. So we set up a gym at the house because you can't go to the gym. You know, you if you can grab something outdoors at the restaurant, sometimes they got heaters on and the, the restaurant can go outdoors. But, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. You got to be as careful as you can, you know. Yeah, I had dinner at uh, in the Bronx on Arthur Avenue last week. Oh. It was freezing. And, you know, uh, yeah. some of the guests, well, my girlfriend, she wasn't uh, vaccinated, so we had to sit outside. Yeah. And um, some other guests came in there, and they gave us, like, a heater. <laughs> um, but those heaters use a lot of electricity, so they uh, can't put it on high, yeah. which yeah. is kind of sort of what would have got us warm. Yeah, but uh, no, no, we froze, man. We but you know what? You got a couple glasses of wine in you, and the food was great. I wish I could uh, remember the name of this place on Arthur Avenue. I gotta, I gotta ask my girlfriend so I can promote it. The food was great. I mean, unbelievable. We had this eggplant rollatini thing. Oh. I'm not even a big <laughs> eggplant guy, and uh, it was oh. just so so thinly sliced. The eggplant. Yeah. Oh. oh, forget it. Let's say <laughs> uh, hello, Lorna. Lorna, hi, Dawn Marie. Uh, and Florida Gary, what's up? How are you? Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, 20,000 uh, PC community milestone, 10% off merch. Oh, all right. We got 10% off the merch right now because we reached a 20,000 uh, milestone. Beautiful. There you have it. Yeah. So, um, there it is. I'm ha- oh, yeah, you off got- the cuff mug. There it is. Yeah, that's the original, one of the originals. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of new stuff on the, um, oh, yeah. Uh, Jitterbug is in the house. Hello, good evening, Mark and Lieutenant Pete. Nice to be here with you all. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. MC Audio's in the house. What's up, Mike Cologne? Thank you for getting our guest today. You know, I was about to uh, do the show solo tonight, which is something that uh, it's, it's it scares me for the amount of um, the amount of time if I wanted to do the hour yeah. uh, that that I could go just by myself. And I know I know the the. The people tuning in live right now would have helped me out. They would have given some, but I have a bunch of material that I put together, and then uh, you know you happen to come through, so we were very happy to that happen. Uh, but one day uh, I think I might just do half hour episodes in the future of um, yeah of the show. You know what I'm saying on Thursdays yeah. and uh, yeah. just cover the crime. But since I have you here, this is one of the stories that caught my eye. 
And I'll tell you why in a second, but let's just show the video and um, and then we'll talk about it, okay? Yeah. All right, so here we go. Uh, you, you probably heard of this. Um, oh, yeah. We, I did one, yeah. Well, well, let's go. Oh, I got to select one of the tabs. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. On help from the public in what may turn out to be New York City's first murder of 2022. Investigators say these suspected gang members are responsible for the death of a good Samaritan on the subway at 2.40 a.m. on New Year's Day. Police say the group assaulted a 38-year-old man who fell out of the tracks at the Fordham Road station. The good Samaritan jumped onto the tracks and was killed by an oncoming train. He was 36 years old. The train did not hit the assault victim. Police ask anyone who recognizes these suspects to call Crime Stoppers. So the reason why I'm showing you this video is because I want to show you something else. Uh, where are we? Get back to us. Uh, okay. Where are you? All right. All right, I want to show you something else now. You ready for this? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let's go here. Look at this. Now, the people on the top are exactly what we just saw, that news story. The news story was basically um, the people on the top are apparently part of a gang or a clique, and they uh, they were assaulting somebody who wound up on the on the on the rails they fell off the platform and onto the rail and then yep. supposedly a good samaritan jumped in as a cop and you know whenever somebody says good samaritan and somebody who's jumping down i don't know i'm questioning that but i'd like to hear more about this good samaritan but on the bottom it looks like it's the same crew right yes identical identical but guess what it's yeah. not it's not. It's not. <laughs> Those people that are on bottom, they were on June 20th, 2018, a 15-year-old boy named Lissandro Guzman Feliz, a.k.a. Junior, was killed by members of the Trinitarios in the Belmont section of the Bronx. He was hanging out in front of a drug spot. He got killed. It was a horrific crime. Uh, it's all caught on video. You can you can see it. It's, it's uh, broke many New Yorkers' hearts. Many, many people around the country saw this 15-year-old boy who was a cadet at one time. Uh, being slaughtered in the street like an animal. Now, the reason why I brought up, and I'll show you this picture again. This is uh, three and a half years removed. Yep. It looks, and it's not the same kids. It's completely yeah. different kids. Yeah. My point is this. <clears throat> nothing ever changes. No. You could just take that kid, give him another name, and put him back out there. Um, the other kids are in prison for the 15-year-old's death. Most yeah. of them, anyway. Yeah, we have a huge problem. <laughs> yeah. We have a huge problem in that um, nothing ever changes. If people go to prison. Somebody else jumps in, fills in their shoes. These cliques, these gangs, most people don't understand them because they don't they don't live in that neighborhood, that environment. Um, you were on the street in, in in the street crime. I was a detective. I dealt with a lot of it with robberies. What, what do you think gives here? How can we correct this? How can we fix this? How can we get these kids to not join, to join these gangs and get involved in this violence? Well, you know, it's a, a two-fold thing or, or a multi-fold thing, uh, Mark, uh, is that under the uh, de Blasio regime, you know, it was the soft touch 
They weren't making as many arrests. They stopped the, they doing the stop, question, and frisk, the aggressive patrols. They knocked out anti-crime. They knocked out the gun squads. They knocked out most of the gang unit, uh, which at one time you had a couple of hundred young, tough detectives in that. Uh, and put that all together without the arrests, you're going to lose the streets, Mark. And that's what happened over a period of the last seven, eight years. Uh, they've lost complete control of the streets. Now, that's a negative word when you say you got to control the streets. But in the high crime neighborhoods, that's what's something that it has to be done. You got to control the streets and those people in those minority neighborhoods, because that's where most of this takes place. Those people want you there. You go to those. I used to go to those community meetings all the time. And they were behind us 100%. We always had the mayors that were behind us 90% of the time. And uh, even before uh, Giuliani came in, uh, in the 70s and even the early 80s, uh, there was so many arrest teams out there. Uh, and the DEA and organized crime, your warrant squad, robbery teams, anti-crime teams, street crime unit, special narcotics enforcement units. Uh, it was flooded with police and arrest teams. And the amount of arrests, I think years ago, that we were at a million arrests, but quality arrests, not just quality of life arrests, qual high quality arrests. And we were about a million arrests a year, give or take. And, uh, and that's what's all the difference in the world. The, the mopes, the bad guys that are out there, these gang people, these young kids that are out there, if you let them hang out in the streets and the little clubhouses that they got and the, the little places they go, if you let them hang, they're going to hang. And, you know, it's like a free-for-all. You know, if, if they're not going to have mandatory jail sentence. You remember uh, even under uh, Mayor Bloomberg uh, when he even came in and they, they always had the mandatory sentences for guns. You got three years, you got five years. If you used a gun in the crime, you could get 10 years. We had the Rockefeller law, if you remember back to narcotics law. You sold heroin, you're going to jail, 25 years. No questions asked. So it's a shame. Uh, a lot of who was put into jail are the minority young people or older folks. But it's when you allow them to do it, that's worse. Because then it's your fault. It's law enforcement. It's the administration that allows them to go out and hang and do bad things. But when they know they're going to go to jail, Mark, you know, it's a deterrence. And you had career criminal uh, uh, setups where that, uh, you know, three uh, felons, especially three violent felonies, you're in. You're going to do five or ten years. So without that, you know, and I don't mean to run on with it, but this is a big part of it was de Blasio. But uh, the biggest part was the Chauvin effect. After that Chauvin killing, you know, with the uh, the cop, the knee and the neck and all that, it really got bad. You started with the riots, the mini riots, defunding the police and all that. So it was very popular, uh, very popular to be anti-police. Everybody was anti-police. New York, everybody felt sorry. And it was a bad thing. The police got too much power. Well, take the power away from the police and let them run amok and look what happened. Now we got a mess, but I was always an optimist. You know, I came on in 1968 with all the uh, Vietnam uh, riots, the Black Panthers, the Black Liberation Army, they were killing cops. It was a very ugly time in America. The, if you think the country was divided now, it was really divided worse then. 
with the uh, anti-military sentiment and, you know, black revolutions and Hispanic society, you had the bad groups who were the FALN. It was a, it was a nightmare, the weathermen. And so it runs in cycles and it goes up and it goes down. But I've never seen it to the effect that it is now where they took a lot of the power away from the police. They don't want to prosecute crimes. The mm -hmm. new DA in Manhattan, you hear him, Mark. He's, he's out of his mind, this guy. I've never seen anything like that. Alvin we'll do, Bragg. Oh, oh, we'll oh. talk We'll talk about him in, yeah. in, in a little Terrible. while. Yeah. I just wanted to just one more time say, with everybody who is talking about um, uh, this uh, re refiguring or revision of uh, police work and getting, getting violence interrupters in, in the streets and stuff, you're gonna follow this gang around. You could just follow them. They're gonna they're they're looking. You can see in their eyes. They're all looking for something. Yep. They're looking to get involved in something. Look at their eyes, all of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And unless you get at these people, unless you get at this youth culture, and you know a lot of these these programs that they used to have for kids when I was growing up, the PAL, Police yeah. Athletic League, where kids can go and box or play basketball, after school programs. Yep. Um, that's where the money should go uh, yep. because if these kids don't have nothing to do, they're just going to be out in the street looking for trouble. And it just, he changed the name. It's just the same exact kid. And these kids have parents. These yep. parents probably think the kids are going to school. They're not going to school. I just yep. read a story today about how the kids were walking out because they're, um, <laughs> they, you know, they, they, they're scared in school because of the, the COVID. So, they're signing a petition and they're going to go on strike the kids. You know, you can call it strike. You can call it cutting out whatever you want. I would just give them all an F. That's what I would do. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, yeah you're right, Mark. You fail like, these kids. Yeah. The parents are going to make sure yeah. the kids go to school. If they're yeah. counted as missing or, you know, yeah. or not a truant. Yeah. Remember truancy? Yeah. yeah. Are they, sure. Do they even have any truant officers anymore? Nah, that's, that's long gone. You know, they did away with a lot of the community relations programs. You had after school programs. You had your basketball tournaments. Uh, and you know what it was, Mark? Uh, when, the, when they were very young, uh, younger than these kids that got arrested here and the ones who did the, uh, the latest one on, uh, on New Year's Day, even younger than that, the young people have to know that they can't hang. You know, we just... You know, I did a lot of the work was in, the, in Central Harlem in the 3-2 precinct and then in street crime, you know, citywide. We went to all the areas, including the Bronx. Mm. But everybody knew that if you hung out on the street, you're going to get tossed. Everybody mm. got tossed. You know, these people got tossed two, three, four times a night. So you didn't carry knives and guns, mm -hmm. period. And then in precinct by precinct, the local anti-crime teams, besides the citywide units, the local teams knew everybody. And they did not permit, and I'm telling you right now, they were not permitted to hang out on the corner. They weren't allowed to hang out on the corner because the cops were doing the stop and frisks. Overused, yes, but you know what? It worked. They were gonna get stopped, questions, and tossed. So if you felt the guy had a knife, he had a gun, uh, he was tossed. And they didn't want to be bothered with it. So the idea was they didn't hang out on the street. Yeah, they, nobody. Yeah, you were stupid. You wouldn't carry a gun. That would be a dumb no, idea. No. Kathy Bates, I'm sorry to hear about your pipe bursting. That's um. Uh, that's that's not good news. That's a big pain in the ass, I'll tell you that. Ange. Oh, hello, Ange. 
How are you, Angela? I have to call you. We got to get back to business here. Maui Swift is in the house. Hi, Maui Swift. Maui Swift, single mama four. Hello. Thank you guys for tuning in, women, men, all of you. Okay, uh, here's another story that caught my eye. This one is not a New York story, but I think I still think it's interesting. Um, so here we go. Illegal aliens, and not from space, <laughs> from South America, are burglarizing rich Asian houses in D.C. suburbs. So here's what happens. Um, they're from South America, supposedly from Chile or from Colombia. They come here as illegal immigrants, so they get some type of visa. And they're uh, they're expert burglars from wherever they come from. They form these cells, and and they go. Uh, they basically find high end neighborhoods, and they break into their homes, uh, stealing jewelry. Obviously, most of this is for jewelry heist, and you know, obviously, whatever you can carry with you out on a burglary. Now, when they talk to the legal experts, the bail for nonviolent property offenses is often low so arrested burglars often get low bail and then skip town because they don't reside in these towns Um, and that is the one good thing about living in the bronx Uh, they all live here they're not going to steal from here they go somewhere else to steal (laughs) (laughs) this low bail it's not just here it's it's in all these big metropolises it's um all of them together they're all doing it together all the the blue states the big cities Yep. Uh, these DAs that are funded by um, Soros, George Soros, supposedly. Yes. I wonder if this guy Alvin Bragg has, has, has uh, George Soros money behind him. Anybody? So, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know. For, that, that was the rumor that he did have money from, uh, from there, but he had a lot of backers that put him in office uh, when only a very small percentage of people voted. It was nothing. But when he got in, you know, he did a double take, you know. First, he said he was going to bring safety to the streets. He was going to prosecute crimes. The minute he gets in, he did a turnaround and says, no, no, you know, everything is going to be petit larceny. You can win with a gun. Forget about it. You didn't shoot nobody. Petit larceny, you know, which is just ludicrous. It's just crazy. You know? Well, you're bringing, you're bringing up this story right here. Is it, let me see. Is this it? Yeah, this is the guy right here. Uh, knife to the, to the heart of justice. This guy's name is uh, William Rowland, and he's an ex-con, a fugitive, and he stole more than $2,000 worth of merchandise from a Dwayne Reed. In the morning, he threatened uh, a worker with a knife that she went after him outside. And then he came back in the evening again to steal more. <laughs> he came back at 5.30 p.m. to steal more, and that's when they recognized him and they called the police. Um, he's not in California and he's not in Minnesota he's in New York so that's why the police came to get him uh, because we still arrest people here for shoplifting now he gets arrested and um, he's going through the system well he's about to be arraigned and then they drop the charges they didn't drop them completely on him but they lowered the charges from a robbery charge to a misdemeanor which makes a huge difference because the bail there's going to be bail. Um, there's not going to be a desk appearance ticket. This guy probably didn't even see the inside of a cell. He's yep. a recidivist, which means he's committed, uh, been arrested for a lot of different crimes. And um, 
you know, when you take a look at the guy, who, are we talking about? Nobody's talking about reforming this guy because he obviously has mental issues. Now, here's the problem. This is the problem with Alvin Bragg that they don't tell you. Alvin Bragg wants to come up with some sort of reform. He thinks people that have mental problems should not be in prison. Okay, let's just say for argument's sake you agree with him. Then put him in a mental institution. I don't care where he goes. I don't care whether he's in the street. I mean, in, in a prison or a mental institution, just as long as he's not in the street. But the problem is you can only hold him up to 15 days here. They get a mandatory 15 days if the judge issues it. And then after that, they have to be evaluated um, for long-term stay, which they're probably not they're probably not going to keep him. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. now he's back on the street, and yeah. he's going to find another Dwayne Reed, and yeah. he's going to go over there or CVS, and he's going to start. And they yep. steal this stuff, and they go right outside and sell it right in front of the store. Yeah, Mark. You know, it's and what happened is that they shut down all the mental institutions, and all most of these homeless folks are mentally ill, and and most of your your recidivist uh, career criminals, I'd say half of those are mentally ill. So they want things. They went with a knife, a gun, whatever. Guns and knives are all over the place because the police aren't doing the collars like uh, like they used to, and take the guns and knives away. So they got the weapons, and they go in, and that's it. And it used to be years back, so you had your choice. So when you went down to the DA and you drew it up, if the guy was any any way at all, when you when he was brought in, if this guy was uh, was uh, mentally ill, you know, he got psyched. You know, he was in for three days, right? He was a danger to the community and himself, and that was the choice. You're going, you're going in. You're going in one of the mental wards. Period. They, they would sign off on it. This was no, especially if the guy had a track record of mental disease. So what are you going to do? Leave him uh, sitting out on the street on the corners, and uh, and that. So it was either the mentally uh, and mental institutions they closed, then they closed down all the jails. Rikers have closed. So you know they don't want to do jail time. No more mandatory sentences uh, for the violent crimes. So uh, you got the streets look like, I'm going to tell you something, years back, I'm going back 10 years, and Rochelle and I were on vacation in uh, San Francisco, and they just had passed that law about allowing the homeless to be out on the street and all that other thing. It took a liberal turn in San Francisco. And I'm going to tell you, it, it took like two days, but the time we were done with our vacation, we couldn't even eat at the restaurant. When you were sitting outside at the restaurant, they were right there, the homeless. Mm -hmm. So the idea that that city turned bad, and now New York, it's the same situation. However, we had thought that maybe Eric Adams, he was never an arrest guy. He was that, but he made a commitment. He said, "No, no, we are going to clean up Manhattan. We are going to do this, do that. We're going to clean up the city." And uh, and he got stuck with this DA. He's got a great, I understand, the PC who was the uh, Nassau County uh, chief, I believe. And uh, Sewell, I think her name is, uh, a nice young lady. Keychain. Keychain yeah, 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 she's good. She's great. So she goes in, and um, she's, my understanding is that she's pissed off at this, uh, the whole situation that she got tied up in this uh, with, with maybe uh, with Eric Adams against the DA there because this young lady has a great reputation in Nassau County. She takes no shit. You know, she well, was, she was a street yeah. cop. She worked her way up in Nassau County. Yeah. She worked in all the units, whatever street yeah. crime they have there and yeah. narcotics, and she's done it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was she's actually a great pick. You know, they, they a lot yeah. of people say, 
you know, you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. So Eric yeah. Adams, you know, that that was his first choice for PC. Yeah. Um, he hired his brother as well. So some people yeah. will cry nepotism. I don't care. It doesn't bother me whether it's, yeah. uh, it, whether it's his brother or not. Why wouldn't you want to yeah. give your brother a job, especially if he's going to do a good job and you can trust him? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think – I think we're heading for – I showed this on the last episode, um, but this is where we're heading right now. See that? <laughs> That's the Manhattan DA. They're in a locomotive. <laughs> and the NYPD, we're poor in a little school bus. <laughs> but Manhattan is one borough. Yeah. It's yeah. one borough yeah. out of five. Right. So the reality is Alvin Bragg only has control of the one borough. Yes. But a lot of times, whatever happens in Manhattan, it kind of sort of dictates what, what happens in other boroughs. Queens yep. Queens took a liberal turn. We would uh, we used to have the D.A. Brown there, and he was good. And um, and then now I don't even know who we have there now. I couldn't tell you. Um, I forget her name. But um, – Brooklyn just did a raid the other night where they arrested 17 gangbangers. So maybe uh, they're not all bad. Staten Island is, they're always good. So um, the Bronx, I don't even know who the DA here is either, but you know, the Bronx is, is where the real crime happens because people always talk about Brooklyn, but the real, the real, the reality is Brooklyn Bronx beats it. You know, yeah. Bronx is yeah. uh, every time you turn on the, I, I got this, the scariest show that's ever on TV. You can only see it in the Bronx. You, you know what that is? Okay. It's called Bronx 12 News. Yeah. It's 58 minutes yeah, of homicides yeah. and two minutes of sports. Yeah, you know. And then sometimes yeah. they can't even get to the sports because there's so many homicides. Yeah. And it's, wow. it's, it's your default channel on your um, cable. So every single time you turn on the TV, that's all yeah. you see is uh, you, you can't wait. You got you're looking for the remote to to shut it off because you, you're getting scared. All you see yeah. is, is death, and yeah. it, it's not yeah. a good way to wake up in the morning. Yeah, you know, Mark, like what you said. Now the other night uh, they had the uh, young girl, the 19 year old girl, get killed in the Burger King, and I thought that oh, was that a, was Harlem. That was horrible. A... I thought that was a, a scale tipper. I thought that was gonna, but it looks like it's going away already. You know, I thought that was gonna. And all, forget about, you know, the robberies and, and such like that. That was going to be the end. But now people got, all right, they blow it off, you know. But uh, it, I know what you're saying about the Bronx, and it is true. But, uh, you know, it's it's something, My I was always an optimist. And I, I know what could be done because, you know, not, not to brag, and you yourself, Mark, you did it. We saw what could be done with the right leadership. Now, uh the election for governor is coming up i think in november so we got a few good people you got zeldin from out here in long island a military tough guy conservative he's got a shot at it you got the democrat also swazi from uh who used to be nassau county uh he's a tough guy so these people are already making commitments to get the legislator to do the return to bail they're going to do the mm -hmm. return to bail they're going to push for mandatory sentences i'm going to tell you right now if if one of these people get in, if uh, Zeldin gets in, Briggs is going to have a tough time. I'm telling you right now because Zeldin's a tough guy. So uh, he, I don't know if he's going to have the right to put him out of office, put a DA out, even though he's an elected official. Mm -hmm. You're going to see you're going to see their heads roll, and you're going to see a return to law enforcement and law enforcement properly supervised. You know, so you put the anti-crime teams now. You know, anti-crime. Uh, sort of went out on their own a little bit. You had the sergeant with them on patrol, 
but it was sometimes with two or three guys alone. So if you want, spend the money, put a sergeant on board each team. You know, so what? You had the SNU teams. They did all the narcotics work for local precincts. Always a sergeant with the team. Street crime always had the bosses uh, hanging out with the guys. So the idea is it could be supervised. It's not saying that you have to go out and just shoot everybody and, and beat everybody over the head. But aggressive enforcement, the guys know how to do the job. Trust me, I've seen it. There's, and I see, uh, you know, uh, Walter Wazalewski puts all his things on Facebook, all the guns that they're doing. You look at these guys. These guys are tough guys. Don't, um, yeah. they're, big, they're big tough guys, you know. They could do the job. Just show them the way. You know, give them the opportunity to go out there because they're bringing guns every night. But then the guy is back out again. They bring the same guy in for another gun a week later. So the idea is it could be done, mandatory sentences, uh, bring back the bail, and uh, you start putting them in jail. Get the, the sick people, mental institutions. Remember the doctors used to sign off? You're in. And that was it. You know, Mark? Let me say, uh, some people want to say some nice things. Lorna McKenzie, I love listening to Lieutenant Pete. Yeah, me too. Uh, factual break. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. Uh Fuzzy Doxy, please, I pray you guys get a good governor. The one that we have right now, she 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 kind of sort of stays out. Of, she doesn't say too much, right? No, no, nothing. She just wants to get elected. That's all she cares about. I know, about. I know, she's but right. she doesn't want to. But it's it's in a way like she talks a lot about the COVID, but that's about it. You won't hear that's her. It. She no. doesn't want to say a peep about anything because the only thing nope. she could do is, is show her hand. And, and, and if yep. she is, because apparently she's very, uh, she's on the left, very lefty as well. Yep. So, um, yep. And Amanda I'm telling Simpson. you, yeah. yeah. Uh, let me see. Okay. Uh, what else we got as far as stories go? Let me see. I got a, another one coming up for you. Um, which one is this one? Oh, this one is an interesting wife. Wife of Ohio man killed by officer. Uh, on New Year's Eve, says cop shot without warning through their fence. Body cam footage confirms claim. Nobody said anything. So. This is what happened. Uh, this guy, he likes to, sh uh, on New Year's, he goes outside and he shoots his gun. Now, she said he only shot it four times, which, unless you have a cop hanging right outside your house and he runs to your back fence and he catches the fourth shot, um, that's not the case at all. You, you probably, how many rounds do you think he had to shoot off before somebody called the police? That he's shooting rounds before they get there and actually catch him in the commission of shooting rounds. Um, and what she was saying is it's a tradition. A widow of the high man, uh, what was it, Justice? She said her husband was gonna, yeah, she said it was a tradition. <laughs> oh, it's a celebratory, <laughs> annual, yeah, their annual celebratory gunfire ritual. That's the word, ritual she used. It's a ritual. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's you know. a ritual. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> Mark, I have to tell you, you know, it's a classic, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I know out here on the island, there's a lot of fireworks on the, on the New Year's uh, Eve. You know, you can see them going all over the place, you know, and uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, as far as letting the rounds go and the shots fired and all that good stuff there, that's, you know, uh, what could I say, you know. You know, they and do it here. They do it in the projects. Yeah. Unless you happen to be doing a vertical, and who's doing a vertical at midnight? Unless you want to get yeah. shot, you know what I'm saying <laughs> on, on New Year's Eve. But the Fourth of July is a big one, oh. you know, as well as I do. Fourth oh. yeah. of July, you hear those good. That that's not fireworks. You know that no. you can hear that. Yeah. 
from a mile away. You could tell. That's the one thing you can tell is the difference between fireworks and gunshots after you've you've heard them enough. You know what I'm saying? Yep. yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, what what happened years back, you know, that was what it was. Fourth of July was a terrible time because they knew they could get away with, you know, uh, shots fired, you know. And so it was usually a week before Fourth of July and a week after. And uh, it was like uh, like crazy, crazy chaos. So, you know? so Linda Cosmo. Cosma says uh, she's from Ohio. It is what happens on New Year's. Yeah. I get, you know what? I, I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you. Um, but apparently, this cop didn't know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. Nobody told. You nobody know, yeah. told the cop that. You know, where were uh, they? Where is she from? What was it? Ohio? Is that where it was from? Yeah, say? Ohio. Yep. Oh Ohio. yeah. So yeah. Ohio. So there you go. Yeah. Apparently, you know, it's a thing yeah. in Ohio. Yeah, and there's, you know, a lot of the states of gun rights, you know, and, and God bless them. You know, I was never a, uh, you know, I was always a very conservative guy. And the only ones I wanted to have guns were hunters, you know, guys who legitimately hunted and uh, and cops. You know, anybody else, even though, like, you know, the amendment and everything else and the, the right to bear arms and okay. But I always felt to a point, you know, Mark, when I saw the... Um, those uh, incidents uh, when they were all carrying guns, when the young guy uh, uh, got arrested. Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse. And he, Rittenhouse, yeah, and he, and he shot the guy. And it, yeah, it's absurd, uh, isn't it? It yeah, looks I don't ridiculous. Like it. I don't like it. You no, see I, a little kid no. walking down the street with an AK-47. Yeah, it doesn't, no, I, doesn't yeah. make anybody feel good. Yeah, and it wasn't just him. Everybody had guns. They're all carrying, and uh, you know, the right to carry and all the other stuff. And that. Uh-huh. Under that situation with the riotous situation and the chaos that was going on, uh, my opinion, anyway, Mark, what it's well, worth. I take the here, off here, the streets, uh, martial law. You're off the streets. Get out of here with your guns. You're out. You know the police have to take charge. Now there wasn't enough cops to go around that night, of course. But you gotta rally up the troops. And it says, get your effing ass off the streets. Take you and your gun. You got a permit for it. You're going home because this is a different situation here. We got a special circumstance here. We got riots on the street. Who's breaking into it? Who's setting fires and the whole nonsense? So you start off with nobody out there, not some guys out there carrying guns. I just want no guns on the street. That's how you start, you know what I'm saying, Mark? And then you bring in the paddy wagon, and if they don't want it, just throw them on the freaking paddy wagon, and you go and, and bring them in and put them in a holding cell. But I would never work under those situations, Mark, you know, if I well, saw the chaos like that, I would say everybody's got to go. Oh, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing that you're bringing up right <clears> now <throat> because you you mentioned law enforcement having firearms. Um, you mentioned hunters being able to have rifles and things of that nature for their hunting. Uh, but then there's going to be a segment of the population society that will tell you, uh, honest civilians, if they want to have a firearm, should be able to have it. And correct. We've seen no better time than the present of what could happen if you didn't have a firearm. Let me tell you something. If there wasn't parts of this country that people were armed to the teeth, you better believe they'd be coming to your house, down your door, and shooting you with a vaccine against your will. I guarantee it. I get. They're already making people lose. People have lost their jobs. Yeah. Uh, Nurses and doctors, frontline workers, people that were out there. Um, yeah. Now all of a sudden, a persona non grata. We got to figure this out. I listen. Yeah. I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm triple boosted, brother. I would juice up, whoever. Shall I juice up? <laughs> yeah, but 
my point is this, you know, if you don't want to do it, that's yeah. that to me, that's that's your choice. Now, you may yeah. disagree with that choice, but you also can't tell me that you agree with the fact that the government should come over to your house, knock on your door and and uh, and, and force you to take something that you don't want to put in your body. Yeah, you're right. Now, Mark. when we go when we go to legalize, uh, when we go to carriers permits and things of that nature, who should carry guns? That's always up for big debate. But here's an interesting story. Now that we're up on it. And it's just perfect timing for this. Um, here we go. And shot a would-be carjacker in the city's Fairmount section. And it was just one of three separate carjacking attempts that Philadelphia police are investigating from overnight. Action News reporter Corey Davis is live at the scene along North 17th Street. Corey, you spoke exclusively with this victim a short time ago. This is a growing problem. Yeah, Tam, and it was a scary situation for that victim. He says he had to make the decision while he was sitting in his car. He made the decision to shoot first after he saw the suspect with a gun. Take a listen to how he describes how it all played out. I saw the gun. I thought he was going to shoot me and just take the car. So um, I retaliated as fast as I could. And just to be another day, you know, I had to shoot the guy. I was shaking up at first. Uh, and the police calmed me down a lot and they made me feel real comfortable. Uh, stay in school. Don't play with guns. Don't rob people. Work for what you want. <laughs> and police. That's <laughs> perfect. I love that guy. Perfect. <laughs> He's the best. He's a hero. Yeah. Can you say it? You, nobody can say it any better. Perfect. You know, and yeah. that, that's, you know, that's like you just said. Matter of fact, I think the Supreme Court today came down with a decision uh, about forcing people the mandate for vaccine, for vaccinations. And uh, they went against uh, Joe Biden and such, I think. So you, you can't mandate it for businesses. Well, that was yeah, for hundred uh, businesses that have a hundred yeah. or more employees. Yeah. Right. Uh, they were already three days in right. to um, re requiring that either they be vaccinated or tested, which right. is kind of sort of like what happened, what was happening here in the city. And then right. now they don't even want you going to get tested anymore. You got to have a vaccine. So yeah. the interesting thing about that guy, he was a, a healthcare worker. He was on his way to his next stop. He probably makes house visits in his personal car as a nurse. And that's when he was confronted. Apparently, carjacking is back in a big, big way. So if you're out there and you're listening, please pay attention to your surroundings. When you pull up, especially if it's at nighttime, look around you. If you don't trust anything, if it's fishy, you're still in your car. Uh, you know, don't get out. Uh, find the spot that's safe under a light because they're, they're coming up to you, especially if you, if you have a nice car. I, you know what? Listen, if you're stealing my car, I have a, a Nissan, a, a, no, a, a Hyundai Elantra, and it's a 2016, fully paid for, by the way. And uh, I told my daughter if she plays her cards right, that beauty could be all hers in a little while. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you have a nice car, you better be careful because carjacking is coming up big time right now. Yeah. And it's yeah. mostly for joyrides. I don't even know if they're stripping these cars anymore. No, they're just hanging out. These young kids, these are 15, 16, 17-year-old kids that are doing it because it goes back to the same thing. They're not going to jail more. So why not do it? It's everything. It's not just carjacking. It's all sorts of push-shove robberies and those kinds of borderline robberies and larcenies and selling drugs on the street, using drugs on the street. 
So the idea is, uh, you know, it's it's a wide open uh, a bit of chaos. Uh, so you know, it's everybody. You know, the only thing I could tell you is that uh, it. I always say it runs in cycles, and now you have to admit it. It got you know everybody is very aware of it, and then all of a sudden everybody's walking it back. So I never said defund the police. Oh, I never said that. All of a sudden now, no, no, I support the police. Even those liberal cities that they were saying, oh, they hated the police, take all the money away. Now they're rehiring the police, come in and patrol, they're begging them to come and patrol the communities. So it does run in cycles. It's going to go to a point. This was a short then, cycle, though. <clears throat> with this, yeah. this whole defund yeah. the police started yes. right after uh, uh, Chauvin. Chauvin. And yep. it's, that's like what um two years ago yeah so that's a pretty quick cycle we went from from full tilt defund the police to yep. we no 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 i didn't say that i don't want nothing to do mm -hmm. with that it was yep. a dumb idea to begin with it was a gut yep. reaction and the funny yep. thing is you know as well as i do some of our friends or what used to be our friends or we thought were friends jumped on the bandwagon because they didn't want to think or they were scared to um to go against uh, people, you know, it's like, uh, oh, you didn't put up um, the Black Lives Matter flag on your on your social media. All right, so what? Oh, that must mean you're a racist. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. That means I just don't want to put that flag on. I don't want to be part of this movement at all. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But that that's what we were dealing with. So I, I had family members um, that, you know, has an uncle, two uncles that are cops, one uncle and one cousin. Uh, both retired, but still, you know, she, you know, she went out of her way to make sure that we all understood that she was part of uh, that defund the police movement. And it, yeah. you know, it hurts your feelings, but listen, family's family. You'll always love them. It's just that we disagree on this one vital, very, very important part. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's, it, it's a big issue. It's a big me, issue um, now. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say hello to some of the people here. Amanda Simpson, are they stealing cars? Uh, to order or just joyriding in them. I don't know. You know, I don't know anymore. I remember when I was a yeah. kid, they used to steal cars for parts and stuff like that. I don't know how valuable the parts are anymore. I'm sure there's certain parts that are valuable on certain cars, but yep. I think a lot of it is just joyriding, and a lot of it is just to, to commit a crime, to do something. I saw one video yep. where somebody got carjacked, and uh, the guy was chasing after his car, and... Um, he was still holding on to the guy and he managed to pull him out of the door and the car smashed into the thing and the guy got hurt trying to steal the car. And it was really, um, it's happening all over the country. And in San Francisco, uh, a lot of these places in LA, they break into cars a lot. So the, the yeah. drivers, if you own a car, you'd leave your doors open. You leave the windows open because the weather's nice and you leave the trunk. If it's a hatchback, you leave that wide open. So people could see there's nothing in here to steal. That's We're going back did, yeah. to the 80s. Yeah. Don't you remember in Midtown Manhattan, the people used to put a sign in the window, this car has no radio. Nothing of value. No, it has yeah, nothing of value. Swear, yes. And they leave the doors open. I swear to God. Yeah, and we used yeah, to, was, you know, when we were in street crime, we used to, we used to get them. And, we, and they'd be walking down the street with, with the radios. You know, I know. It was crazy. One in each arm. So now... Where, what are you going to do with them? Because you had to go find the car it came with. You know, so used to pull over. Hey, get over here, you. You put that back where you got it and get out of here. Because if you don't, I'm going to take you right now. So get your ass, 
put it back when you got it and go home. You understand me? And that was it. So the yeah, there was, to the listen, car. people used then to steal. Go back to, he used to go back to the car and he would put it in the seat and I would lock him up, you know? People used to steal cars. <laughs> Stolen yeah. cars were a big, big thing. They just waited until you got out of the car to steal it. Now, they, now yeah. they're waiting for you at a light. Yeah. Uh, keep your doors yeah. locked. That's all I can say. Keep your doors locked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Try not to get on anybody's bumper. Also, too, another scam is when they hit you from behind. They tap you lightly on your bumper. Yeah. Everybody gets out of the car. Yeah. And then now they're either taking your car or they're taking your purse. There's a lot of scams. Yep. So just be careful yeah. out there because we have a lot of women in the chat. And, yep. um, you know, yep. uh, these people are prey. They prey on on uh, people who look vulnerable. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, so uh, what else do we got? Where are we right on time? Uh, have you, since they're going to be building up the street crime unit again, do you, have they called you up? Uh, or are you go- they're asking if you, for you to come back? <laughs> hey, I'm ready to go. We got a few guys. You know, you got Dick Savage. You know, he's older than I am by a few years. Uh-huh. Uh, Louis had him own a protege of uh, street crime. And you know, we got a bunch of guys, a bunch of lieutenants and uh, cops now. And uh, they're ready to go. You know, wait, we'll go out and work. I'm ready. You know, I'm 75. Hey, I'm 75. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, why not? You can hey, pay me. Pay me my hey, lieutenants are making a lot of money today. I'm ready to go out in the street. You know, we'll have some fun. But the only thing is, like I said, you know, and all they do want to bring back the gun squads. Let's just see. Let's see what Eric Adam does as far as that. But big deal. So you're gonna take him for a gun. Right? We can go out and get 10 gun collars, right? You got 10 guns. We did good. Street crimes do it all the time. But we knew that they were going to jail. These guys are going three to five years. They were going in. So big deal. You take the guns, and then you're going to let the guy go. So it's got to be a a, a a combo effect. You got to make sure that the you know the jails are ready for them. The DA is ready to prosecute, and you want to put them in for a few years. You'll see how quick when all their friends start getting collared up, mm-hmm. and they start doing jail time. Hey, where's Joe? He's in. What do you mean he's in for what? A gun? What are you kidding me? Or he's in for possession, a felony possession of narcotics. Or he's in for uh, a, uh, a robbery, you know, he went in, or a push shove or a carjacking. And where is he? He's doing a year. What? A year for what? God, for, for taking somebody out of the car. The word spreads very quickly, Mark, within mm-hmm. a few weeks. You know, I've seen it happen, just a little change in the law. And uh, bring back the bail, of course. Uh, it would come back quickly. In a matter of weeks, the word spreads. And then you get your quality of life, like the turnstile jumpers and that stuff. And remember the old squeegee guys that were doing, Giuliani was doing that stuff. So the quality of life offenses, you know, hanging on the quarter, trespass, disorderly conduct, uh, breaking into uh, shops, uh, burglaries at night, uh, premises, shooting up drugs in abandoned buildings. You know, you got to clean the streets. You don't let them hang out. Same story. Everybody goes. Bring the wagon out. Get the patrol cars. Do the sweeps and, uh, and take them all. And then you wouldn't have to do it very long. In a matter of weeks, the word will spread, and it's precinct by precinct. The CEOs, they know what has to be done, you know, the commanding officers and the bosses. In a matter of weeks, it would be clean, and you'll be able to drive up and down the street. You say, ah, this precinct is clean. Mm-hmm. And the CEOs, they know what I'm talking about, the commanding officers. They know when their precinct is out of control. When you can drive up and down the streets, and you see them hanging on the corners, and you see them triple parked, and you see them doing marijuana shots. Yeah. You know, where, where my grandmother lives in the Heights, Washington Heights, they, over the summer they have these Revel, R-E-V-E-L. They're little little mo, uh, motorbikes. Mm-hmm. Little, little, and um, 
you know, they rent them all through the city, but yeah. you know, they used to be a thing where you had to show the guy your license and you had to have have a helmet. So the helmet went by the wayside. I doubt these people have license, but they don't stop for lights at all. And yeah. every um every once in a while, like uh every other day, if you drive around there enough or maybe a couple of times a day, you'll see you know, crime scene tape, and there's another one that gets hit. <laughs> it's like uh, the, the candles are out. You know, they put the candles out. Hey, um, I just oh, want to ask this man. question right now. We have somebody in the chat, Kathy yes, Kennedy. Sir. Was this my neighbor, Kathy Kennedy? Uh, is that you, Kathy? Or is it another Kathy Kennedy? I'm curious. She says, when they talk about the funding, if they put the money into trained people, psychiatrists, psychologists, who will take over answering calls for mentally ill that protect the, our police? Okay, I'm going to explain something to you, Kathy. They had a program running in the 228, two the 30, and the 32. It's still going on right now, probably, as a matter of fact. And what they figured out after a couple, uh, maybe a month or two of doing it was let's say I'll give you, I don't know the exact number, but let's say there was 100 calls. I'm just giving you an arbitrary number 100 calls for um, somebody mentally ill, EDP, emotionally disturbed person, nonviolent. Okay. They had the call has to come across as nonviolent. Who's making the judgment call on that? The person that's in the house sitting with the person that's um, mentally ill. Is it the 911 dispatcher? I don't know who's making that call, but nonviolent calls. Um, this unit that has um, psychologists in it uh, that, that are clinicians that are supposed to treat nonviolent, emotionally disturbed people. If they received 100 calls, they went to 30 of them. I'm just giving you a book. That's the, the ratio, the percentage. They went to about 30% of the calls. And the other ones they stayed back from. They were basically cherry picking the calls they went on, which I, I think would be an expected thing to cherry pick. They're not going to go on all the calls. But I'm going to tell you something right now. And uh, Peter can back me up here. Cops don't want to go on emotionally disturbed calls. Cops don't want to go on homeless calls. Most nobody goes into the academy and says, "Oh, I want to take, I want to deal with somebody who's off their meds." No, they want to get, get robbers, they want to get burglars, they want to get rapists, they want to get murderers. That's what you come on the police department for, not to figure out that this person not take, uh, you know, their, their lithium, whatever they take for the day. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, yeah. That's that's where we stand right now. They're trying these pilot programs, but in the end, um, any any person who's an EDP, emotionally disturbed, could turn violent at any moment if they're off their meds. So that's the problem right there. Yeah, exactly, Mark. You know, with that, you know, you know how dangerous those situations can be. A mentally in, uh, ill person uh, off the meds, they are so freaking strong. So, you know, when 90% of the time they got all their clothes off, men and women, you know, and they're bouncing off the walls and you got to start rolling around the, on the, uh, in the apartments or even on the street with them. It's, it's a tough go. So Kathy Kennedy, then she says she does it. Oh, she is. She says it is me. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> She's my neighbor. That's nice. Very, very sweet family. I miss uh, you guys. Nice. Um, listen, she says, I don't want cops on violent, uh, on violent mentally ill calls. The EDPs need help that caps can't give. I know, but once they're violent, I don't yeah, know who else you would call. Yeah, yeah. Maybe when the they, Ghostbusters. <laughs> you know, uh, when they when they're gonna hurt themselves, 
uh, a lot of times they'll have a weapon, they'll grab something, and they they, they hurt a lot of people. You know. It's, yeah, yeah. So, they, so people far, in so their far, own family. Yeah. Okay, they, so far, the clinicians are supposed to go after nonviolent. Right. Exactly. Uh, emotionally, she says, if the EDP, emotionally disturbed person, were nonviolent, why would the family call for help? Maybe. The person, I don't know. I, you ask me. I, I Listen, we used to get calls. I remember this one family used to call, this one guy used to call. And whenever we could, he'd always call around lunchtime. We, we'd we go by his, uh, his house. We'd sit there, have our sandwich, and we would talk to him. He was a person who was suffering from the depression, an Indian guy, real nice guy, an older man. He just wanted to talk to somebody. And after you talk to him, his family was okay because he, you know, he was calm. He would take his meds. And uh, we took turns. Sometimes in uh, whatever sector on the weekend would go there. If you had the steady sector, you know, sometimes you stop there early if you thought it was going to get busy. But you always stop by to say hi to him. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff police do. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You you, yeah. you learn who. And then, and then any given day, this guy could just freak the hell out and become yeah. a violent guy. This, that's why yeah. it's mental illness. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where, where are we right now on time? 52. Uh, let me plug your book over here. I just want to, where is it? There he goes. Folks, you can pick, you can pick up Peter J. Pranzo's book on Amazon.com. Uh, I'm, I'm the proud owner of a copy. It's a great book. It's, uh, and uh, it's the story of his, uh, basically his career out there in the Harlem Raiders, right? The book is called Harlem yeah. Raiders. Yep. Go to Amazon, pick up that book. Uh, you gave me a signed copy that I cherish. Uh, thanks, um, Thank you very much. What else can we tell you, man? We, you know, we're. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think things are going to get better. Yeah, I have a feeling. Love the compassion shown by these guests, by these great men. Thank you so much. Um, I, always, I always felt that. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not a. I'm, uh, maybe I wasn't the right guy to be a cop, but I never want to hurt anybody. Um, and I don't think anybody does either. That's not why you get no. on the job. You want to help people, not hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. I. I, I was. You know, Mark, it's, it's uh, people say, oh, you did this and you did that, or you got the shootings and all this other stuff. You know, it's where God put you. It's where you landed and you do it for self-survival. And then somehow you get involved. And I always got involved with the community and the Harlem community. I became very, very good friends with a lot of the community leaders, you know. And that's that Harlem Raiders is a family story as well, how we work with the community, you know. Uh, and then also it's a lot of stuff in there, shoot them up stuff. But Working with the community, I think, is the uh, is the foundation for all police work. You know, you got to know the good people, and they want you there, and they want help, and uh, and they're the, they're their eyes and ears. I'm telling you, we used to get tons of phone calls. Even today, when you have a good community relation uh, group in the precincts, and they go out and they talk to all the leaders and such. Then they go back and talk to all the arrest teams in the, in the precincts with all the location, what's going on and such. So uh, I think that, like you said, Mark, nobody goes out there. Well, I want to shoot somebody. That's a bunch of bullshit. Nobody goes out there. I want to beat somebody up and I want to lock somebody. No, you're going out there to help the community. And in so doing, uh, it's where you're put. And when you're, uh, I was always in charge of these arrest teams. So it was, you know, it was my job and that was it. And we, we were there. So we didn't do a lot of uh, other police work, but it was just arrest work. We just locked up, you know, thousands of people with, with mm -hmm. the team over the years. And that's what we did. And we became yeah, good yeah, at like it. Like you, you said, know? there's different types of police work. You guys were yes. 
looking yeah. for guns. But when you weren't sure. doing, you know, patrol is different. Patrol yes. is different. You have, you, you know, you, it's slow on the radio. You have time to pass by, say hi to somebody that, you know, yes. uh, could use could use a little talking to. Some of these people are lonely. Yeah. Um, North Florida, uh, Gary, when I worked ambulance, we always took a cop with us on any kind of possible mentally disturbed call. Well, it kind of sort of works their way. A lot of times they'll send a sector car with, um, we call them a bus, a bus to to that job. Uh, Folks, we've reached the part of the show where um, I want to just remind you that we have a Patreon page, Police Off the Cuff slash Patreon. And um, that's where if you want to join up and and help uh, support the show, we'd love to have you there. We also, you can also support the show by becoming a member on our YouTube so you have a couple of you have six different choices, six six different tiers, three on YouTube, three on uh, Patreon. Um and what else do we got? Uh merchandise. You got all your merchandise. Yeah, we got we got the 10% off the merchandise too right now. That's that's going yep. on right now. Uh and uh, that brings me to this point of the show. I want to show you a picture. Uh that's me when I graduated the Jesus. police academy. Uh, that's my grandfather with the hat on. That's my mom, the beautiful oh, blonde. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, the little girl there, Diana. That's my stepsister. Oh. And the gentleman holding the umbrella, that was my stepfather, Rudy. Oh. Rudy was a great man. Um, he helped me out a lot. My mother met him when I was uh, right uh, finishing high school, 18, 19 years old. And they got married and uh, he got me one of my first jobs working. He was a building super. Uh, we call him. Um, depending on how nice the building is, you could be. Um, you could be a property manager, um, a building manager. That's what he was. And he just passed away on the um, uh, on the third of January. Sorry, Mark. I'm really sorry. Oh God, that hurts at the holidays. It's very sorry. Yeah. Very- so what I want to say, if you're a step parent out there. You know, sometimes these situations are difficult. You know, he was lucky he met me. I was already borderline adult. But I had to get along with my stepsister and my stepbrother. And um, and he uh, was a great man. He took me in. He took me in. As... Oh, Jesus, Mark. Uh, God bless, Mark. But, you know. If you're a step-parent, uh, you're doing God's work out there, okay? Yeah. It's not easy yeah. being a step-parent. Oh, Jesus, Mark. You know, you're coming into a relationship, uh, the divorce, who knows what happens. But he was a complete gentleman. He always treated me with respect, treated my mother, loved my mother to death. So I just wanted to say rest in peace to Rudy. Uh, Rudy, rest in peace, Rudy. Hey, he's with the angels, Mark. You know, and you yeah, were. Yeah. Don't he's forget, you were a good And you were a good guy, Mark. You were a good guy. I could see it. Come on. He was a lucky, he was a lucky man to have you. I'm being very honest, you know. And vice versa, Mark, you know. But the cycle runs, Mark. Yeah, the cycle runs, you know. We got we to gotta hope for the best. and we. we I put we that see. on there because I know how hard it, it could be to be a step-parent. And yeah. I know there's probably people here who are step-parents. Yes. And uh, when, you get, when you get involved with somebody who already has children, it could be very tough. And um, have the patience. And, um, you know, p- the children will eventually appreciate you. Trust me, especially if you're in their corner. Um, they will definitely appreciate you. So if you're a step-parent out there, you got my love. And thank you so much, everybody, for your condolences. It means a lot. Yeah, he was Mark. a good man. 
And uh, Peter, I hate you know, I hate bringing it down with that, but I just oh no, to... no, that's it. But it's the uh... cycle of life. No, it's beautiful, and you did yeah, a, yeah. you did a nice a nice a nice thing, Mark. God he was like an old school guy, you know those old school oh. guys. He he didn't go he didn't go to the hospital. <sighs> he didn't go to the doctor. Nothing. No. He, nope. uh, he nope. was getting ravaged by the cancer, and it was yeah. he, he basically had a really bad week. It was it was yeah. three weeks, and the last week was bad. But by that time, his body was already breaking down. You know, he was one of these guys that uh, yeah. you know, have a drink, Mayo, have a drink. And you know, if yeah. now you know, I used to drink with him at the end. But when I first met him. In that picture, that graduation picture back then, I was a bodybuilder, and I didn't really yeah. drink. I didn't want to drink because, um, you know, it was calories, and uh, you know, I was yeah. I was I was into <laughs> lifting weights and stuff like yep. that. And you know, obviously, towards the end, I drank with him uh, for the last many years. At the end, because he was with my mother for like thirty years. But uh, man, I wouldn't I'd give anything to have one more drink with him. Oh, Jesus, Mark. Uh, God bless. But you, you did a good deed, Mark. You did something very nice for him. And, you know, you had, and good memory. I'm going to tell you, all I can tell you, you know, from experience, anything, all the bad, it just dissipates. All the good memories, as the years go on, they come to the top. Every good memory. And I'll sit and think of my folks, of course, and all their relatives and, and all the past cops I lost. You know, like I'm, I work with a lot of guys a lot older than me, and they're all gone. Half the Harlem Raiders, uh, they're gone now, you know. But I got a few good ones left, you know, black and white cops, Hispanic and such. And yeah, you know, keep in so, touch with know, the doctors, you know. Don't oh, be don't be scared no. to go to the doctors. No, go. You know, um, you have to, especially if you if you have a job where you have medical. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like take advantage yeah. of it. But years back, Mark, when you were really sick, like my folks and only when you were really sick, you went to the doctor. You didn't go to the oh, doctor. Yeah. Didn't check there you was no well checkup. No. Oh. Did no. you take it? If you took a day off because you had a cold, no. Your no. parents sent you right to school. They to put school. the thermometer, no. the, the no. thermometer in your mouth. If you didn't have a fever, you go get out of here. No, no, you know? no. There Remember were no going well to work checks. No. And no. telling everybody, um, oh, I'm sick today. Remember saying that. No. You can't say that now. You go to work now and you go, uh, uh, I don't want to talk, you know, stay away from me. I'm sick today. They'd be like, so what did you come in? Why did you come in for? You know, so. <laughs> exactly right. And let me tell you something, how things change, but they don't change. Like you say about, you know, forced vaccinations and all that. I was born in 1946. I went to school probably 1951 when kindergarten and such. And polio was ravaging the communities. It was all, everybody had leg braces, kids parents and all that and there was no cure then they came out with the cure and we all had to line up in school for the uh, polio vaccine amongst other vaccines at the doctor and everything else we all like there was no choice hundreds of kids lined up and you got juiced in the arm you had a couple of shots whatever it was and then after three or four months went by and they were solving all the uh, the vaccine for polio they were doing the cures we had to go back again because half the kids had the uh, didn't have the vaccine. They had a placebo, so they had to get online wow. again and get wow. juiced again. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just giving you an idea. Remember that? Well, remember that? <laughs> if you're any, within a certain age, you got that mark right here. Oh yeah, I got the big hole, the big yeah, hole wall, things around like that. a daisy up there. You got to be. There was no choice. So when we talk about it today, yeah, you know, all the the adults. It's a lot of it is, uh, you know, it's. A lot of uh, politics involved, and I would say, you know, one side against the other. And I'm a conservative guy, but I take the juice, you know, give it to me. And, and you know, at our age, we're showing, I shoot us yeah. up. 
I think we have the. I don't know if it really has. uh, That's been politicized. I don't think uh, it's conservatives who are against the vaccine. I think it's a lot of these people that uh, they're like anti-government totally. Yeah. You know, they don't trust it. They don't trust it for one reason. Maybe other people that didn't. Because if you really think about it, it was something that came out under Trump. Yeah. So then if it would stand to reason that Democrats didn't want it, not Republicans, Republicans would flock to get it. Yeah. But now yeah. it seems like when 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 Trump said, oh, you should get the vaccine, he was getting booed off the stage. So that's yeah. why it seems like there. Yeah. I don't know if it has any. I think a lot of these people who don't get the shot are scared of getting shots. If you want to be, believe me, yeah. go on YouTube yeah. after we're done with the show right now and just put in men scared of getting needles. And then oh, you yeah. could watch 100 videos of guys screaming, crying because they're getting a yeah. shot. Yeah, you know, they don't remember. Yeah, if yeah. you put it, I, I, I guarantee you, if you put it in a gummy bear, because that's what all the other medicines are coming in right now. If you put it in a yeah. gummy, you'd have a hundred percent compliance or ninety nine percent compliance. Yeah, people are scared yep. to get a shot. That's what I think. That's exactly right. Let me it's the same let me, people with the, yeah. the, the, with the dentist. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're looking at yeah. somebody with with teeth falling out of their face, and you're like, "Why don't you go to the dentist and fix that?" We got we got healthcare, we got dental. Like, oh, I don't like the dentist. I'm scared of the dentist. I'm like, well, I'm scared to look at you this way. You know, you're bothering me. Anyway, it's all true stuff. You know, to, to everybody, I'm gonna have you back real soon again. Peter. Oh, Thank you pleasure. for sitting in. The hour flew oh. by. Oh, That's thank how you, you know so it's much. a good show. To oh, everybody. Great. Um, to everybody out there who tuned in tonight, thank you so much, especially for your condolences. It really, it really made me feel better. And, uh, you know, Rudy's up there thanking me right now and thanking you guys as well. You would have loved him. He was a great guy. Uh-huh. And uh, for those of you, we, we, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about uh, a lot of stuff today. Yeah. It was a pleasure being on. I thank you for the privilege. It was an honor. And uh, like I says, I look forward to it. And I will allow good chat friends the best of them. A good happy new year to everybody. Yeah, you guys in the chat, you're very, very special. I, I, can't, uh, I can't say that enough. They're you guys so loyal, in the chat guys. are yeah. so, so special. Thank you from the bottom yeah. of my heart. Thank All you. right, Peter, have a good night. Uh, good night. Thank good night, you. Raquel. Thank you for le- borrowing, lending me your husband <laughs> for an hour. Uh, now you can go back to family stuff. And uh, on behalf of Police Off the Cuff After Hours, thank you guys so much. God bless, and we'll see you Monday night. God bless. God bless, everybody. God bless. Thank you.